Okay, we we don't <laughs> laugh the whole episode. We're okay. not laughing no. anymore. It's good also for your wrinkles if you don't laugh. I, <laughs> I'm too late. <laughs> the iSpot is the podcast about polar science and the people. We talked to scientists who went on board Polarstern, the German research icebreaker, for the biggest research expedition in the Arctic. Welcome again to the iSpot the podcast about polar science and the people, which is also the official year of Polar Prediction podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. We are Kirstin Werner and Sara Fascoletto. Hello. And um, today, today's episode is actually the third one. Yes. And our guest today is Stefan Hendricks. Hey. Hi, Stefan. Hey, Kirsten. Good to have you here. Thank you. Even you're on vacation, coming to Bremerhaven <laughs> to the studio. We dragged you here. <laughs> yes. yes. For, for no reason other and than it's, this. The weather outside is really awful. So yeah. you wouldn't want to go outside if you don't have to, like us, working. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, you came here from Bremen. And uh, Stefan Hendricks is a geophysicist working at the Alfred Wegener Institute. And he's working in particular in the field of remote sensing techniques and remote sensing in particular from sea ice yeah, thickness. Sea, sea ice thickness um, more than other types of... So sea yeah. ice thickness is really your special field, right? Exactly. I yeah. mean, the, the, the main idea is to really just count how much ice is there, not just what area is yeah. covered with ice, but really also to go, go into the third dimension. So you go down and look under the ice as well? Um, Diving? <laughs> Not, not, not really, no. I mean, I, I would like to do it, but I mean, yeah. if you just look at how much area you have to cover, you I don't know how many divers you need, but I mean, you yeah. have satellites, and yeah. I mean, this, this does help you quite, quite a lot. And this is what we're talking about today, about yes. satellites and the sea ice, and not to forget the moon, because we heard from, you know, following <laughs> Twitter <laughs> and also the... A mosaic podcast, Arctic Drift, mm -hmm. the audio logbook, True. that the moon played a special role uh, during leg one. And we are really excited to hear about what happened during leg one, especially in terms of the moon. Yes, and everything else. <laughs> so uh, talking about the moon, Stefan, my mm -hmm. first question really would be, have you been moonstruck? Um, well, we, we actually really like the full moon being out. Mm -hmm. Simply because I mean, like, like you're you're out there in the Arctic winter for like a month or two, and yeah. I mean, it's like in, at full moon, and if there's like no clouds, I mean, it's the first time you actually can see the horizon again. I mean, this is something really cool. Yeah. On the other hand, full moon means also the the biggest tides mm -hmm. we have, so yes. lots of tidal currents, and actually this messed up things for us quite a bit because I mean, always when we had full moon, the the ice starts break up. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had to rescue equipment. It was actually a lot of work for us. Mm. Yeah, it, it was magical <laughs> being out there, but it was also mm -hmm. magical and a lot of work. Yeah, but you never felt like you're watching the moon so long and then at night you're, I don't know, standing up and do sleepwalking or something because of watching the moon? Well, I mean, first of all, there was no difference between day and night. Yeah. Us. <laughs> Great point. I didn't think about it at first. So, I mean, yeah, we, we, we were out at like day hours, let, let's call yeah. it like this. Yeah. And yeah, no, we were watching the moon. And I mean, it... And it never happened to anybody that they do, did the sleepwalk? Or maybe you don't know that. Well, I'm not aware of anybody sleepwalking. Okay. <laughs> at least that, yeah. for we sure. We'll find out if everybody is missing when uh, the final counts. Yeah. That yeah. might have been why. 
So how are you in general now being back? So when did you come back? On the 10th of January, right? Um, no, we, we came back to port um, on the 2nd uh, of January. To and Tromsø. To Tromsø. Yeah. And then I just went home uh, on the next day. So I'm here since the 3rd. Okay. Uh, but I left on September 14th, so it's a bit more than three and a half months. So long time ago. Long time ago. Did you adjust to the normal world again already? <laughs> I kind of did, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always it, it goes really quick when when you know, like you go on on ship on the ship, then you're in this rhythm mm. like at least after a week. It's like it's your world. Yeah. And when you come back, it's more or less the same. I mean, it kind of feels strange in the first days that mm. you see all the strange new people and have to do your own choices in terms of food and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> this, uh, this just goes uh, away pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how often have you been on Polarstern or on any cruise? You, I mean, you are um, a routine expeditioner, right? Yeah. I mean, this was my, my fifth Polarstern and then there were two others on a Finnish icebreaker, the Aranda, ah, so, okay. so seven in total. But you were also in the Antarctic, I know, because there is that one famous picture we always use, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, th yeah this, this was the, well, the other winter experiment we did in the Antarctic in 2013, but this was mm -hmm. also the only time I've been to the Antarctic. Ah, okay. And how did it how did it come that, I mean, you studied geophysics in Cologne. Yes. But, um, you worked with Saturn magnetosphere and solar wind yes and how come you are now a CI scientist um, as all these things happen it just came by chance that when when I was finishing my master's or my my diploma um, at the time mm -hmm. I was actively looking for PhD theses and uh, we and in Cologne we also had the opportunity to take uh, part on fieldwork because the mm -hmm. Institute itself they had two main branches one was applied geophysics mm -hmm and the other one was extraterrestrial geophysics. Mm. Um, and I always, you know, like this field work thing a bit more because, I mean, it's not, not just like sitting in front of a computer. And then there was this job announcement that they looked for somebody who makes CI sickness measurements with, helicop with ah, an helicopter okay. EM system. And I applied. And the helicopter <laughs> draw you really to Avi, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and here, here I am. Yes. <laughs> And that here he is in the <laughs> studio of Radio Weser TV. Yeah, <laughs> that was quite a journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And but but so you're close. I mean, talking with you about the moon today also uh, struck me because you did that solar wind and Saturn stuff. Yeah. So you know about the moon a little bit more than yeah. other people maybe. Yeah, except that the moon I studied was not uh, our moon, but it was Titan. It was the moon, ah. moon of Saturn. Another moon. <laughs> okay. Now it gets complicated. Yes. <laughs> is it is it similar to our moon or uh, not? Not at all. Not uh, at all. Titan is a very special moon because it has a very dense atmosphere. Okay. Um, and I mean it's also very very cold um, because I mean it's far out in the solar system. Mm. Um, and there's interesting things happening. Like um, there there is rain, but it's not water rain. Like carbon hydrates. It's it's like. Ah okay. Yeah. What did you call it? Well, ethanol, I think. It's uh, the alcohol. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was good in chemistry, yeah. but <laughs> long time ago. Okay. Yeah. No, uh -huh. it, no it, it's a very special moon. Mm -hmm. I mean, but what, what we did at the time is that we um, wanted to look into the moon itself. Mm -hmm. um, and you, we just had like a magnetometer. 
Um, and then you just look at magnetic fields of uh, planetary bodies. And from that, you actually can actually deduce quite a bit how the moon is made up internally. Okay. Um, and for, for the flybys, for, for Cassini, uh, for the NASA spacecraft, mm -hmm. um, we, we looked at the um, solar wind conditions because, I mean, this um, mm -hmm. governed what kind of measurements we're actually um, going to, to measure during the flybys mm -hmm. because the solar wind is distorting magnetic fields and so on. It's very, very different from what I'm doing today. Would you, go, would you like to go to, the, to our moon? at some point well i mean if the opportunity arises sure thing okay so you're working at the alfred wagner institute you told me since 2005 since yep. you started your phd and then you basically i mean you have been around the world i know because we met the first time mm. in fairbanks yeah. alaska <laughs> yeah. in i think that is 10 years ago or so <laughs> but um, otherwise you stayed at the alfred wagner institute in bremerhaven pretty much exactly I, i've done a postdoc after my time mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. um, two years ago I became a senior scientist. So so what is your responsibility now at Avi? So you, you said you do sea ice thickness, which is different from other people doing sea ice extent and stuff. Yeah. And uh, do you have a particular role there or, or, or are you the leader of the sea ice thickness observations <laughs> at Avi? Um, I mean, no. I mean, um, I'm in the sea ice physics group mm -hmm. uh, in the climate science department and I take care of CR sickness measurements with a specific type of satellite. So there are multiple ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing is with altimeters. Um, and basically what we are doing Wait, is what is that altimeter? Can you explain? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a distance meter from space. So you have a, a radar mm -hmm. on a satellite and always measures the distance to the surface. And, and from that, you actually can measure very precisely how high the sea ice surface is above the water. So we, we mm -hmm. really just talking making measurement accuracies of centimeters here. Mm -hmm. And because here is, okay. is floating um, and you can can uh, estimate the density, yeah. then you actually can compute how thick the ice must be um, so that it's floating in this particular way. Okay. But with the, with the satellites, you just look above. Exactly. That, I mean, right? there's... Mm -hmm. I, I don't can think of any real measurement from space where you can look below the mm -hmm. sea ice. But you can calculate, right? If you know the pressure ridge is like one meter above sea level, then yeah. you could calculate, okay, it should be, I don't then know, Then it would, would be typical thickness of 10 meters or so. Ah, yeah, okay, interesting. So like, like doing the freeboard, so the part which is above the ice mm -hmm. times nine or so, this mm -hmm. is basically a good way to get the, the draft which is below the okay. waterline. I think this is a new word for the listeners of the ice pod, the freeboard. Freeboard, yeah. So this is the part above the sea level. Yes, it, it's it's a nautical term. So a yeah. freeboard is how high the deck is yeah. above the water. Yeah. So so the first song in this uh, third episode, uh, the moon episode of the, the ice pod, will be a Moonlight Shadow from Mike Oldfield. We are back after our music uh, a break a break, break yeah. our, our yeah, thank you for always having the right words <laughs> okay <laughs> so we are here again with Stefan Hendricks on the in the studios of Radio Vesa TV for the third episode of the ice pod the podcast about 
Polar Science and the People. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the official podcast of the year of Polar Prediction. We're saying that a lot this time <laughs> yes. because we forget things. <laughs> we forget. <laughs> but like, you know, if I say it now, then I can forget. But I yes. know that now I'm done with it. <laughs> and I don't have to remember that afterwards. Uh, so we wanted to ask you in this section of our interview a little bit more about what you're actually doing on your daily basis. So we said before, you're a remote sensing guy. Yes. So if you had to explain what remote sensing is to a 10 year old, how would you put it? Like, why, why is it important and what you're doing exactly? Yeah, it is like remote sensing itself is a bit like binoculars. So you mm -hmm. can figure something out about something without needing to go there. And I mean, for, for the Arctic, it's actually quite important because I mean, there are so few direct observations in the Arctic, mm -hmm. but I mean, there are lots of satellites. Yeah. And I mean, we in our daily work um, for looking at the state of seers and so on, and we really rely on satellite observations. And I mean, this is what we call remote sensing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And what satellite you're working with? Um, my, my, my most favorite uh, satellite is Cryosat 2. Um, this is a radar altimeter and we use it for measuring um, the thickness of the sea ice. Did anyone ever find Cryosat 1 in the North Atlantic or wherever it crashed? Where it crashed? Well, no, I, I think it crashed somewhere actually in the Arctic. Ah. Between Greenland and something canada yeah, Greenland, yeah? Canada. Yeah, actually in one area where we do a lot of measurements with aircraft and we like tentatively looked but no we we never, never found it okay again. nobody found no. it bummer but so yeah. cryosat was the satellite that was working before cryosat 2 which is the one that you're working with right now yeah right? actually my, my my phd thesis um i was there for cryosat or well, cryosat one or cryosat at the time um yeah and it crashed during launch in my fourth months or so of my PhD. Okay. So and you have <laughs> hoped for the data from Cryosat. Well, I mean, this was as a fixed plan to, to look oh, at the data. And so oh, my God. And so you had to wait another five years for Cryosat 2 then, right? Yeah, and I had to do a diff slightly different PhD thesis. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, so wow, what was the I alternative program then? Um, well, we actually then started to work a bit more is because I mean for every satellite and I mean this also brings us to, to remote sensing at Mosaic as there are sensors um, built to, to simulate the, what the satellite is measuring mm -hmm. and um, then you can do it in a controlled environment of CIS and you can really figure out what the satellite is seeing exactly and we had a, a simulator for an uh, aircraft it's called Aziros it's a, a radar like on the satellite but just made for aircraft mm -hmm. And we looked at that um, quite um, in detail. Like what is it actually measuring of about pressure ridges, for example, where like the, the surface is very, very rough, but still you want to measure like the freeboard very accurately over mm -hmm. larger areas. And what mm -hmm. is the influence of the snow uh, on a radar? Because yes. I mean, the, the general um, difficulty is with getting eye sickness mm -hmm. um, over sea ice with altimeters where mm -hmm. you measure the freeboard is you measure the freeboard over an area of let's say a kilometer mm -hmm. times a kilometer because the, the um, satellite isn't that uh, high resolution mm -hmm. but when you look in, in reality and in, in real life on sea ice within a kilometer there has lots of changes in the freeboard so you get like an average freeboard over that area And I mean, you, you still need to go down to, to accuracy of, of centimeters yeah. in the, the mean freeboard. 
And I mean, with the aircraft, where we actually specifically knew how the surface roughness was like, measured mm-hmm. with a different sensor, we could actually improve our algorithms and we then applied later for the satellite. So you're working with, with satellite data and how, like, I'm, I'm sorry, this is probably <laughs> like a very uh, like basic question, but what, what do you look at on your daily basis? So you're in front of a computer when you're here in Bremerhaven, and what do you do with the data that you receive? Um, well, well, first of all, what, what we are getting is um, more or less the raw observation. Mm-hmm. Um, not really like a finished product from CS Agnes. We do this ourselves. So we have set up um, a program or a software, so to speak, who does it on a daily basis automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically we, we improve um, the algorithms um, all the Can time. Can I ask a question in sure. between? How does, lo- how does the raw data look like you get from the satellite? Is that just numbers or is that already a photo? or? Um, no, with, with, with radars it always just comes in, um, in numbers. In numbers, so, so, so okay. To speak, yeah. In its way, it always stays in numbers. Um, mm-hmm. But then in the end, when, when we have like um, uh, data for, for CR sickness, I mean, then you can uh, translate these numbers into, into, into a map. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, actually, very, very few satellites really just make just photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's more like measurements of, of physical properties, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which we then um, use and then come up with information for CI signals, for example. Because we had a couple of modelers already on our on our podcast, we had Thomas Rako yeah. and and Thea also. She's working with with models. What's the relation then between Uh, remote sensing and modeling like how do they combine each other so do you put the numbers that you receive in the model or like do you give them give this this data to these guys that then do something with the with the models Mm -hmm. how does it work i mean there are different ways of doing that i mean first of all you you can check um with the satellite data is whether models um, are doing well Mm -hmm. uh, for simulating cis but what you also can do is you can use the satellite data, put this into a model, and then come up with a forecast. Okay. Because, I mean, what, what uh, the model forecasts, what they need is um, the, the current state of, mm-hmm. for example, like where, how sick the ice is in which region. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they can, from there, they actually can go into the future. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And you do that? Are yeah. you involved in the forecast? Um, CS forecasts? Yes, um, there's there's one at RV in our, also in our CS physics group, and they use our satellite data to make uh, seasonal predictions of um, the CIS minimum extent mm-hmm. uh, every year, and this is the Arctic outlook, uh, the CIS outlook. Are you also submitting your data to Stefan uh, to Helge's Sitfax project? Um, not specifically, but mm. we we put it on an, an open site so everybody worldwide can ah, yeah. can download it. Okay. Just uh, for the listener, the SIDFEX uh, project that our colleague Helge Gösling is, is leading yes. uh, is providing sea uh, ice drift forecasts, right? Yes, so for mosaic. For mosaic, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. So to, to see where the, the sheep and, and the ice flow might end up in the future, in the future months. So like with this very nice... Uh, I've seen just pictures of yeah. it and just <laughs> interpreted uh, like all, all the tracks that yeah. that the, the ice yeah. flow is predicted to, mm. to follow. Cool. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and you can find more information as well. <laughs> on the on website. Yes. I'm on a very advertising day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I'm putting there the informations like this. Yeah. And so 
this is what you do here yeah. in Bremerhaven. Yeah. And then what do you do then when, when you're there in the ice? So like uh, on the expedition, not necessarily on just on Mosaic, but in general, you, on, you've been on Parashan already uh, five times. What is then your job there? Do you do the same, but just on site so that you can maybe see uh, already the, the situation there of, of how, how the sea ice looks like or how exactly does it look your work? on the field mm. i mean you, usually what, what you do is when when you go on an expedition before you you create an idea of, of what you want to do specifically mm -hmm. on the ship i mean it, it can be that you just um go there and uh, look how the ice is look like ma mapping the ice and provides this to everybody so they they can plan their, their research and i mean we did this on mosaic uh, with, uh, with a helicopter mm -hmm. Um, so we had an, an, a laser scanner, which makes you uh, what, where we can create topographic topographic map mm -hmm. of, of the ice around. Mm -hmm. And this was very helpful, you know, for, for putting um, sites for, for different topics. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. But then you also have uh, specific sensors where you measure a specific uh, property. And I mean, what we... From the helicopter or... Um, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, helicopter mm -hmm. work is definitely something we, we do from, from Polarstern, but also just going directly on the ice, um, mm -hmm. making measurements with a specific instrument, and then look what you have just measured. Mm -hmm. I mean, then it yeah. really goes down to manually measuring mm -hmm. ice thickness, measuring the snow, um, what the snow structure is like. What is your favorite instrument then? Usually... <laughs> That one that works. Ah, <laughs> good answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it, it actually it's a bit of a thing that like lots of um, measurements we are taking. I mean, it's it's not something where you can buy an instrument off the shelf. They are often you know built um, by by colleagues mm -hmm. or like in, in very small you know numbers, and so it's always not like a, like a well published instrument. It's this one of the hardest thing of of working on the field or what would you say it's the hardest thing well i mean if you have an instrument which isn't working and you have to do something with your fingers outside and it's minus yeah. 28 and blowing wind then you you wish it would have sometimes been built differently yeah what do you like most though of being out there or also if you like most staying in the office that that is also allowed as an answer ah uh, no i mean it it is actually a good mix doing both Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't be able to do like an expedition like Mosaic year round. This would be simply um, too much yeah. because I mean it's um, you're out there. It's very challenging working conditions, mm. and it's also very very hard to stop working. Simply because I mean it, it's such a big experiment, and you're out there, and you always have the feeling, oh, I have to, I have to do this and this and this and this. I could mm. even do more, and I mean. Mm. When you're in the office, you also just, you know, can go go home when it's time to go home. Yeah. Let the pen fall and, yeah. and go. <laughs> and forget about anything. You know, just like five strikes the clock. Yeah. Right. I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to think about it anymore. I can understand. Yeah. 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 I would not 
I mean, I I still sometimes do that, so we'll probably be held. Oh, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I take my secret life, yeah. <laughs> my secret working life at home. Yeah. I try not to make anybody aware of it. <laughs> so that, but it it happens. It happens already, yeah. especially if it's you know it's not a job that you need necessarily to be in the office yeah. to do, and and yeah. you take the advantage, and you, and if you have some spare time, and there I can imagine also you you're there thinking, okay, I'm here, I must take advantage of being in this uh, conditions, in this surroundings, and so doing also extra stuff, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, it's also a thing, I mean, when you're a bit longer, or a bit more often on the field campaigns, I mean, you, you see this, like, for, for the the ones who've been there, like, the first time, I mean, they're usually, like, very, very motivated, and sometimes mm -hmm. you even have to, like, slow them down a bit, because, okay, I mean... Yeah. Um, You, you have to do this work still for like another month or so. I was one of them. I was totally <laughs> run down after my nine weeks of full after. <laughs> Never. I again. know what you're talking yeah. about, and Stefan. I, exactly. And I mean, on, on Mosaic, nine weeks would be like just half time. Yes. Yeah. 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 You have to know where to stop. Yeah. So, advice for everybody who's listening and who's doing field work. Take your time off also when you're on a ship. What about another break? <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a... We found a really nice band. Oh, yes. It's yes. called... I yes. think it's a Norwegian one. It's called um, Polar Moon or they have the O with that... The strike? Uh. Strike <laughs> yeah. in between. So P probably Polar Moon <laughs> in, in uh, Norwegian. Look at us. This yeah. song. <laughs> <laughs> the song is called Moments and I, I really like that one. Yes, let's listen to Moments. Okay, we are back here in the studio of Radio Visa mm. TV with Stefan Hendricks and um, my headphones are moving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so um, Stefan, I was wondering... Um, One, how did you become involved in Mosaic? And then also, what was your particular role doing like one? Um, how did I become involved in Mosaic? I, th I think for, for, for us, for, for the CS group at RV, it's like the important yeah. project we have mm. uh, right now. So it was clear from the beginning that the your group would be involved yeah. in that like really... Yeah. yeah, exactly. With, with um, expertise on, you know, working on the ice. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, at Leg one a I was um, the team leader for, for the ice team. Ah, okay. And like Steffi is on Leg 3 and Polona is right uh, now. Polona is right now, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, there, the, the main duty was basically to find the ice flow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think this was a bit the the most interesting and maybe also the most challenging task mm -hmm. because, I mean, this is like everything in Mosaic was based on that decision. Yeah. Um, and then um, on leg 1B, um, after the, the Fedorov, after mm -hmm. they left, I mean, we got a few additional more people for, for the actual work mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. of setting up um, all the installations, starting the measurements. Mm -hmm. So Polarstern and the Russian ship went to the ice and then both of them, they tried to find together the correct ice flow yes, so we, to we, say or? yeah we, we were looking at, at mm. different candidates mm. uh, and we identified uh, flow candidates very early on uh, with satellite data okay um, so we were not you know just 
driving through the IRS and just looking out of the window. We, yeah. we, we actually really had uh, some specific flows in, in mind. And yeah. that was with uh, some cryosat pictures now or what um, no this was uh, with a German satellite was um, Terrasa ah, okay. um, this is radar images mm -hmm. so I mean they're they're very helpful because I mean they basically give you a photo like um, view of the ice surface okay completely independent whether they are clouds or not so because I mean radar just looks through clouds oh, okay ah, nice so so how stressful was it on board finding this particular ice flow I mean the days before really making the decision how was it and then actually who made the decision in the end uh, i mean the um decision in all that particular matters is always with a cruise leader um so so marcos marcos rex he mm -hmm. had he had to make uh, the mm -hmm. decision um and i i don't think it is particular stressful because i mean it's we we went to this flow We uh, we went on it, um, made a few test drillings, made an initial survey to look what the, how okay. it's looked like, and then we pretty much decided that okay, this ticks all the boxes mm -hmm. we need, mm -hmm. and then the decision was made mm -hmm. to to take this flow. So I think it only would have gotten really stressful if like the third, fourth, and fifth candidates yeah. wouldn't have been sufficient. And was there any regret when the first time the flow break? break up did did you think oh no we should have looked further <laughs> for another one well um i'm pretty sure all the other flows itself they will also have broken would have been the same yeah. at some point yeah okay and i mean for for some of us i mean this was actually quite a great event because i mean if you just look at like how ice breaks mm -hmm. during winter time mm -hmm. i mean for them it was fantastic yeah i mean mm -hmm. It's all a matter of perspectives. Yeah. Did, did, did the sea ice go back behind Polarstern? Or, or well, I mean, the, um, the track where Polarstern went into mm -hmm. the ice, it, yeah. it just froze over. Froze over, um, yeah. okay. But of course, Polarstern is acting like a big sail against the sea ice. So the yeah. ice was actually, in the beginning, it started really to break um, close to where Polarstern was. Aha. Uh -huh. Was that an issue or...? Uh, it was an annoyance, yes, yeah. but, uh, well, not nothing to be done about it, just to, you know... Something of the non-expected <laughs> things, yeah. Take it as it is, yeah, uh, okay. work with it, mm -hmm. and I mean, of, of course, it always refreezes after a few few okay. days. And and so, uh, once Polarstern was there, you started to set up all these different observational cities, so to say, mm. um, close by? Yeah, yeah. First of all, we, we made a detailed plan. Yeah, okay. Because a plan I mean, is always good. Yeah, no. But it's also the one thing is that we had to take really special care that we do not, you know, trample all the snow. Yeah. Because then we wouldn't have been left with anything really to measure. Okay, yeah. So we, we came up first with a plan and then we uh, laid out specific roads on the ice mm -hmm. where you were allowed to walk and like outside the roads, you, you shouldn't be there. Ah, yeah. Ah. Mm. So, so you really <laughs> build a build a city, so to say, with roads and then with places where you put the yeah, we, instruments. We put out uh, flags on the ice mm. to also mark where um, the roads are, okay. also that you can find them during dark. Yeah. So, do people now go out with that map and see where they have to go, or do they just know every place? Well, I mean, actually, one one big part is when when the next leg. Mm -hmm. and we actually we, we showed them around okay, okay. so yeah. you made a tour yes <laughs> you were the guide 
Yeah. yeah. And here kids. is Mad Love. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> no, but, no, but we, we really made maps. Yeah. And I mean, they, mm. they have been put like on the server so everybody can look at them and then plan what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and what was your, I mean, once this all was set up, what was your main um, duty? What did you do during the, during the day? Yeah, I had three tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was doing um, the helicopter observations for sea ice. So you were always on the helicopter whenever it would go? or? Well, no, we, we had d- different tasks for the helicopter. Yeah. And uh, one task, um, and I was always on this one, is to look at the, uh, the sea ice surface um, during polar winter. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, is, it was one great opportunity for us to do helicopter or airborne mm-hmm. surveys in winter. I, I doesn't think it really has been done Probably before. Not. Not, yeah. not, also not in this detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was a great opportunity for us. And mm-hmm. and, and what we did is we had um, a laser scanner. So we, we got to- topography maps of the sea ice, also of the freeboard, you know, to, mm-hmm. so we have like in really high precision what the satellite should measure. Yes, as well, uh, the helicopter task was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one was I was um, doing the transect task which was doing like regular ice sickness and snow depth measurements al- along a route uh which while we, you went into the arctic ocean or yeah or, around the sea ice we, yeah. we we set up um uh transect lines we, we call them they're basically it's a small road in itself like a okay. small loop yeah and i mean we started to go there every week uh measuring ice sickness and snow depths mm-hmm. um and they will and this will be a task will be continued until the end Mm-hmm. Of mosaic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also like when when the ice was starting to move, we actually shifted our transect lines accordingly. So we always stay on the same piece of ice. Okay. So mm-hmm. we actually also see how when like ice breaks and mm-hmm. you know piles up, mm-hmm. how this changes the thickness of the ice. The third task was uh, building the remote sensing site. I think it's time for music. It's time yeah. for music. Yes. <laughs> What do we have here? Neil Young. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. <laughs> Yes. The Year of Polar Prediction is an initiative of the World Meteorological Organization. It is a 10-year program with the goal to improve weather and sea ice forecast in the Arctic and Antarctic. The Year of Polar Prediction brings together the international science community with the national weather centers and those people who are actually using weather and sea ice forecasts in their daily work and life. Mosaic is a huge international project coordinated by the German Alfred Wegener Institute for Polar and Marine Research. For one year, from September 2019 to October 2020, Polarstern, the German research icebreaker, is frozen into the central Arctic sea ice. Around Polarstern, there is a distributed network of instruments set up of the surrounding sea ice flow. These instruments on the ice provide a unique data set that never existed before. In particular, measurements will be taken during polar night. These extra observations will cover all aspects in the Arctic, from the atmosphere through the sea ice and into the deep ocean. These observations will improve our understanding of the changing Arctic climate and weather. Based on this better understanding, models that forecast weather and sea ice in the Arctic can be improved which is crucial for the Year of Polar Prediction. Therefore, Mosaic has been endorsed by the Year of Polar Prediction, as it will significantly contribute to making better weather and sea ice predictions for the Arctic.
Okay, Stefan. And now we heard a lot about um, setting up remote sensing city mm. and doing scientific um, <coughs> work uh, on Polarstern. But we were also wondering, because you're the first uh, guest here in the iSpot, um, coming from Polarstern, actually, um, yeah. having spent like one there. Um, how was a day at Polarstern? How did it go? Working on the ice and also coordinating um, all the different groups who work on the ice mm -hmm. took a bit of, of coordination. So we actually had two two slots for going out. Mm -hmm. One was um, in the morning, mm -hmm. ba basically after breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a lunch break. And I mean, everybody was also taking this lunch break very, very seriously. So everyone met for lunch then or um, yeah. yes and yeah. also you know it, it, it's a good thing you know when when you're working outside in these temperatures you know to, to come back mm. uh, inside um, you know warm up yes yeah. you know, eat something yeah. and also even more important also drink okay drink, drink yeah. a lot stay hydrated yeah, exactly um, and I mean yeah I mean basically you know we went we went to breakfast in the morning and then we had actually a small meeting mm -hmm. um, just to see what the situation was out there because mm -hmm. I mean there could have been the situation where the ice would have broken up and it would, wouldn't be safe to go yeah. to to certain spaces so there was always this meeting in the morning and then we were getting ready um, mm -hmm. to go outside collecting our equipment you know dress, dressing up getting getting safety gear um, and I mean this is a process also this takes easily half an hour yes and then you maybe have like two two hours left working on the ice um, and then you already come come back for lunch and okay. then Mm. Usually, what, what we had in the, the ice group, we also had um, after lunch a small uh, meeting of oh. our group, mm -hmm. just to update each other um, on how it's, how it's going. If everybody, if somebody needs help with mm -hmm. anything, if everything is going to plan. Mm -hmm. After the lunch meeting, um, what we what we did was you know going out on the ice, and in the afternoon you have a bit more time, um, mm -hmm. simply because I mean the way um, the meals are on the day. Skipping the coffee break with a nice cake. Then, yeah, wouldn't uh, people go if, back to if get necessary, the cake? If necessary, we skip this cake, yeah. <gasps> no, <laughs> because the cake was the best. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but to be <laughs> the tr truth to be told is, uh, we didn't have cake. I like properly made cake all the time. <gasps> we also went down to, um, you know, it does regular cookies. No. Yes. Really? Yes. No, no, actually, I, I, I lost weight. I mean, because there is, ah. there is a Weight Watcher Club. We needed to ask yeah. you yes. about that. Yes. yes. Please explain again, because I think I was wrong. Okay, so the, 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 the Weight Watcher Club on Polarstern is always Sunday mornings. You, mm -hmm. you go down to the engine workshop and you get on the scale. And like one of the, the sailors, they will weigh you. Uh, the scale is like a... Um, Seesaw, right? Or what? Exactly, yeah, like a, like a really very, funny. a very, very traditional scale. Okay. Um, so you, you wait each uh, each Sunday is recorded, mm -hmm. um, and then for for the next Sunday you have to um, guess like within five hundred grams whether you gain weight, lose weight, or just say the same. Okay, oh. you have to guess. Yes, yeah. and I mean if you're wrong, you have to pay. Mm -hmm. um, How much? Uh, I mean, is is uh, one kilo one euro or? No, no, it, it's it's just um, if you bet wrong, then you have to pay a euro or so. Ah, okay, that's um, a fixed yeah. amount. But you also can make bets. Mm -hmm. So on, they on others or? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that would be super funny. <laughs> but like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then the then the personal dynamics might change yeah. after yeah. that. But well. <laughs> 
No, no, you can bet, and they actually can try to win back some money. But, ah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So and, how, and how did you do? <laughs> well, I mean, I I lost weight and money. Ah, uh, so well, I mean, like. I don't know. It depends on. Well, this is now too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you you made a guess. You went there. You made a guess. Yeah, and, and my my guess was always that I stay the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I I lost weight, so I lost money. Okay. Huh. Yeah. But in, in in the end, I mean, all that money is going to charity, so it's. So that's good. Yeah. Where does it go? Yeah. Do you know that? Uh, I think some children hospital in mm -hmm. Rostock. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's actually, okay. quite quite a sweet thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. <laughs> So to make a, more of a connection with the year of polar prediction, and which is our project and uh, why we are here, <laughs> we came with that we uh, we come from this project, and it it, ha it is of course related to mm -hmm. to mosaic. Mosaic is a Yap Endorse project in relation to the work you do. How impactful is remote sensing work? in improving uh, weather forecasts, especially in, in the Arctic regions. Yeah, I, th I think um, where in in the Arctic um, weather can be better forecasted is with better CS information. Mm -hmm. And I mean, CS sickness is one part of that information. Yeah. Like getting better ice sickness information also to operational users um, is one, one goal we have. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they can improve their forecast in the Arctic, and I mean, then of course, I mean, an improvement in the Arctic will spread yeah. uh, to weather prediction in Europe, for example. Yeah, it will probably have an impact in enhancing polar uh, yeah. uh, weather prediction also in lower latitudes. So, so you said sea ice. I mean, Yop is about weather and sea ice predictions, yeah. but you said better sea ice prediction can also help to better forecast the weather. Yes, but for, for example, I mean, um, sea ice extent in summer. Mm -hmm. Um, it has a huge impact because I mean, um, where ice is, the, the surface is, you know, much brighter, reflects much more sunlight, and thus is is colder. Yes. Um, and if you wanna accurately predict how little ice there is left in summer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at each summer minimum, mm -hmm. you you need to know the ice thickness at the beginning of the melting season. Yeah. Okay. And coming up with, with better remote sensing information of sea ice sickness in the winter is one part uh, of my work and also mm -hmm. one part we actively pursued on Mosaic. Yeah. Okay. Because it's, as you were saying before, I yeah. think this is, you don't have many chance to be there for this uh, this much time during uh, winter in the Arctic, right? So you, you get, you got access to... Um, special information so to say exactly and i mean this is information we, we can use not only to make like future products better but we also can go back in yeah. time and look at all the satellite data and improve the results from that data from that data what is though the the most problematic thing right now in like uh, observations in the arctic and therefore uh for for forecasting what is happening there so it's like a lack of just information or lack of um, I don't know the wrong instruments being used there what is uh, what is the main issue well I'm, I'm, I'm not really a forecaster so I'm not really being able to, to answer that question completely um, but I well, mean from your point of view it, it's always I mean, I've been so often asked for like CR sickness mm -hmm. you know uh, like on very detailed information 
you know, how thick is that ice in this particular region? Yeah. And because, I mean, right now, they're not really, like, really products um, which are, in a way, that they're, you know, they're running, just available. I mean, a lot of, of these products, I mean, they're, they're provided by, by science institutions like mm-hmm. Avi mm-hmm. or, or also others. Um, you know, to, to get to the state that this is something which is really just an operational availability of CI seconds mm-hmm. information. Like this this transfer from what we are currently doing like more scientifically mm-hmm. to really the operational to side. I think that I think this mm-hmm. is something which is still not yet fully at its full potential. Yeah. It's something that also at the Europol prediction is is a theme. It's one of the goals at the end to increase this this link between yeah. these two these two parts and not only just get information to the final users, but also between the scientific community, so to say. So really the, the centers and and the researchers. Then. And, and Stefan, do you think Job can help with that in some way in particular? Do you have an idea to make it more operational or? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's always what I always uh, find very helpful if certain projectors, you know, make demonstrators you know take the data and mm-hmm. you know prove what can be done mm-hmm. with the data it also helps us from from the data uh, providing side to do mm-hmm. like to get something out and see okay this has this particular use who would do that the science community no that would be the operational centers i think they they should do it together yeah because i mean mm-hmm. um Usually, when you have, if you have a scientific product, you, you need scientists for for the experience with this product. Mm-hmm. But you also need somebody from an operational point of view mm-hmm. who can, uh, you know, tell the scientists what they really need and want. Yeah. yeah. Outside of the scientific community, maybe from for users or shipping companies or whoever is involved in the polar regions, what would you wish? If you were one of these people, what would you wish yourself to have at the end of a, pro- a project like the Europolar Prediction, let's say end of 2022? What kind of information maybe you would like to have access that it's right now not there or what kind of products maybe or or a networking like, I don't know, more relations between uh, institutions and, and so on? Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing um, where, where Mosaic... Um, is really important is that we actually get information out of the Arctic mm-hmm. at a time and region where we simply had nothing before. Yeah. Um, and I mean, lots of more data in a standardized way can can help us. So, for example, I mean, if, for example, just, just picking this, this one um, from random group, if like a cruise ship is going in the Arctic, yeah. if they could provide data let's say of a sickness in a, in a certain way which is usable for us mm-hmm. to compare to the cellular data i mean this would be this would something be would helpful. be very very helpful yes uh-huh. mm-hmm. so, so not only uh scientific community to users but also the other way around yes. that's interesting mm-hmm. we will take this <laughs> home with us tonight yeah. and think about it yeah also. maybe uh, make a rec- recommendation from yeah. that from your point as a specialist on sea ice thickness uh, what would you say is the future state of the arctic sea ice um, what do you think is it currently going on and maybe in few years in terms of you know especially mm-hmm. talking about cruise ships going to the arctic which is has increased but is not super i don't know well i mean it's it's always difficult for for ships to operate 
in ice-covered waters, mm -hmm. even if the ice is much more thinner nowadays than it is before. I mean, mm -hmm. this is something you should never forget. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, having the experience of navigating in ice and so on is something really have to you have to build up. And I mean, if you just think of the future of ice mm -hmm. in the next decade or so, I mean, it, mm -hmm. there will be less and less in summer, yeah. especially in summer. I mean, there's always, because I mean, the... The polar winter will always grow ice, even in the next 50 years. Yeah. So you have in winter, you have thinner ice, but I mean, thinner ice is also easier, you know, to, to break. And mm -hmm. um, you're getting, still getting thick ice simply uh, because the ice breaks and piles up on top yeah. of that other. Yeah. Not because it's um, so cold and it's growing or it's growing just by freezing. Mm -hmm. So there will always be thick ice and there's always a, a hazard mm -hmm. uh, which needs to be taken into account for, mm -hmm. for tourist ships. So, so the moon, I mean, I'm coming back to the moon uh, just briefly because you said that before, but maybe uh, just to say it again. So the moon, the tides that are influenced by the moon had some in impact also to the sea ice. So when there was high tide, the sea ice yes. would break up Yes. And in low tide, it would freeze together, or is it that easy? Or uh, well, I mean, it, it it's constantly freezing together. I mean, yeah. this is what what is doing in, mm -hmm. in polar winter. But I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you have strong tidal currents, mm -hmm. then it's much easier for it to break. And I mean, it's, it's also it's there. important to say that like the the strong tidal current, that full moon, is because I mean, you have the effect of the tides of the sun and the tides of the moon completely aligned. So there's, that, that, that's there's why tides of the sun. Did you know that? No. <laughs> because, I mean, the, the moon doesn't care uh, whether it's like fully, you know, illuminated mm. by the sun or not. Yeah. For, for the tides are just always the tides yeah, of the moon. Okay. It's just you have two, uh, two tides from the sun and from the moon. Ah. And at full moon, they're completely aligned. That's why the tides are always at full moon are the highest. So strong. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, uh, and same actually for... New moon? New moon? Yeah. I think so. New yeah. moon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and this, uh, I didn't know that the sun has tides as the well. The ice pod, delivering scientific information <laughs> every episode. <laughs> okay, so I was wondering, I mean, talking about the moon and maybe also the sun tide, were there any, I mean, would you, would you, so from yourself going out on the sea ice, seeing the full moon or new moon or something in between, were there any emotions you had? Like, you know, well, I, I being was the guy holding at the moon or something. <laughs> no, but, uh, but I, I was happy that um, there was additional light. Yeah. Mm. Because, I mean, it, it makes a difference whether you're standing there in more or less dark, full darkness or, mm. Mm. or if the moon showing you the, at least the horizon. Yeah. yeah. And helicopter flights uh, during full moon were also special occasions or... Yeah, I mean, I think it, it made it much easier for the pilots also, um, yeah. to fly because, I mean, mm -hmm. they really could see the, the, the sea ice now uh, mm -hmm. below us. When you're going on the helicopter, are you sitting next to the pilot or behind? No, we're always um, sitting in the uh, passenger compartment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I won that flight. <laughs> Rudiger Stein was making, yeah. what is it? Um, the lottery, so you could, um, You, I was just the lucky one. <laughs> 
picking the right one. So Were I was you the lucky one? <laughs> I was. Um, I was. I mean, after uh, six weeks on board, I think he. I was thinking that he made me win, maybe to get out of the ship at some point. <laughs> but then maybe I was the lucky one. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. It was. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you consider yourself lucky after that experience. <laughs> okay. It next music. Though. Oh, this is a nice techno song or whatever it's called. There's a band called Arctic Moon. And I I, I found that because I typed in in Spotify Moon. Mm. So um, Quantum Realm. We're on. We're on again with Stefan Hendricks from the Alfred Wegener Institute, who actually is not only a CI scientist and geophysicist, but also a... Photographer, professional. professional photographer. We found on Twitter and we are using your photos sometimes. <laughs> or misusing your photos. Yeah, no, never. No, no never, <laughs> never. Always appropriately, but yeah. So where do you get, did you get your photography skills from? Well, well I'm, I think I barely just trained myself. Mm-hmm. So it was always, you know, go, going in a field campaign. I mean, you go to this, all these different places. I mean, just mm-hmm. taking like a, a camera. What uh, camera do you use? I'm using, well, myself, a, a Canon EOS 5D Mark III, so this mm-hmm. is a DLSSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and also bought, bought especially for, for making photos in the dark, bought some special lenses for that. Okay. Which make it easier. You know, going on field expeditions, you know, it always felt natural just, you know, to take a camera. Yeah. Um, and, you know... I just started liking it and like yeah. one one thing led to another and then it was also I also bought some books on you know yeah. how to compose okay. photos mm-hmm. uh, you know how does actually human perception also works a bit you know what what is a good ah, photo what okay. is not a good photo so what is a good photo in terms of human perception well I mean um, not so good photo is where you put everything just like dead center mm-hmm. you know you always mm-hmm. you, you can can play you know with your subset a bit what you're trying to to take a photo of yeah it doesn't really need to be like always like in the middle of a picture. Mm-hmm. And so how many photos did you shoot during Mosaic? Um, I think f- for for photography center, not so many. I think it was around 7,000. 7,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I mean, lots of photos were also, they were, they were blurred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think mm-hmm. I, I ended up like with my complete selection of 700. 700 are yeah so so one in ten one ten of the photos i take are actually something which i call good yeah okay Uh, and which one is the best what would you think i think there there was one particular photo um i I just took it out of a of a helicopter when when Mm -hmm. we did uh, a ci survey and it just shows polarstia in in the distance so we were 15 kilometers away and you mm-hmm. just see you basically you just see like this small flecks of light and i mean you also see see the moon mm-hmm. illuminating the scene a bit i mean but it's still it's still feels pitch black and i mean this is basically yeah. what what the feeling was out there that when you're out there and in uh in the polar winter it's basically you have this small spot of of lights which mm-hmm. is a ship which are some installations and everything else mm-hmm. around you is it's a black desert, yes. So wow. the photo we are talking is the one uh, Stefan has put on his Twitter account. Yeah. So if you want to follow uh, Stefan on Twitter, you go on. What is your account, Stefan? Uh, ST Henrik. ST Henrik. Yeah. Without the K, right? Yeah. It, it, it stops at the C. C, yes, yeah. Ah. 
Ah, okay, okay. So you can follow Stefan and uh, see his pictures. And actually, he has this picture here. We are looking at it right yes. now on the computer. Um, basically, I can confirm it's <laughs> more or less <laughs> it's pitch, pitch black. black, other than the moon, which has a really nice silhouette there, and then you can see the ship. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, cool. it's the funniest thing is, I mean, this was one of the brightest days we had. Okay. Ah. For, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pitch That's absolutely exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. I like mean, a tenth of this picture <laughs> is like like you see light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolute darkness. Wow. I mean, isn't it scary to just go around and not being able to tell what is coming at you? I don't know, like polar bears and stuff. Uh well, it, it's a bit humbling, especially when when you're out of the eyes and I mean, yeah. you, you just you can look in one direction and I mean, you see, okay, this landscape which is totally hostile to you, I mean, goes on for a few thousand kilometers before you hit any land. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you're really dependent on that ship and on the people on that ship. there, yeah. 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 That's insane. <laughs> okay. And what was your second best photo then? Now I, I want to see them. <laughs> um, because he has, he has a collection, Stefan has a collection of 25 photos. He... Um, also provided to us so eventually we might be able to share them so via our for sure twitter and instagram account which is at polar prediction yeah both of them yeah. well yes. i will actually I, I just pick a second best my current desktop background ah oh, wow which yes. is a aurora yeah this was actually something i, I really look forward to um you know making mm. pictures of auroras but i mean then again um the mosaic itself is very far north, actually too far north yes. for Holy like the auroras. very bright visible auroras. Mm -hmm. Of course, you always can see some some very faint ones. And I think there was yeah. also an, an app post just a few days ago and they took some some photos of auroras um, mm -hmm. at the site. But I mean, th this photo has been taken when, when we uh, went home. Yeah. yeah. Because oh. I mean, then we got uh, farther south, closer to the coast of Norway, and there the auroras are Andranitsin. Exactly, yeah. and there okay. the auroras were much better. Mm. Wow. This is beautiful. Yes. Okay, and what else do you have? <laughs> now I'm getting really curious. Um, another one, another one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 one thing I think mosaic, it's always storm photos. Yeah, so we didn't talk about the storm, but there were some... Oh. Uh, ah. So this one, one, photos, uh, one photo I just took when we were um, like after the, the big storm event in mid-November, mm -hmm. when we were actually going out again to, to our site and just see, you know, what is the state of our sensors, how does everything look like. I mean, we, we already knew that everything was, that the, the site was broken apart. Mm -hmm. This was when the sites moved. Exactly. Across, I mean, yeah. uh, this uh, mm -hmm. just before. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so just to get there, so we had to, to build bridges um, over our fractures in the ice. And I mean, ah, there we, okay. you know, just used whatever we had at our disposal. I mean, this is just a standard Euro pallet and some, some sleds just so, to So what do it. we see here on that picture? I see some ice. I see some uh, people in their red dresses. So um, what you see in between here mm -hmm. is actually a, a small fracture in the ice okay, okay. Mm -hmm. so there is there is water um and ah, mm -hmm. you don't see the water because i mean it's blown over by snow and i mean yeah. there's always like a bit of the uh the danger that you don't really see where the ice, where ends. The ice ends so you had to take the sled as if it's a bridge and cross the yeah. water ah, exactly okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, um, basically the because you don't, you never really see really where like the ice flow ends and mm -hmm. where the where the water starts. I mm -hmm. mean, we we using here this pellet to to put that actually the sled mm. stays in its place, and then we we just okay. were walking over it, so we we couldn't take any machines mm -hmm. over, yeah. like any snowmobiles. We yeah. we couldn't move any lot of stuff. Um, so you have lots of snow always in your face because you're always a blob of snow. So your visibility is not so good. You have to take extra care. For uh, watching out for polar bears. Are you are you preparing for that particular photo somehow, where you stand or? Nah, not not really preparing mm -hmm. because I mean, I'm, it's also I I can't really you know just being like a full time photographer because yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> you are one I, of the scientists. Yeah, you know? I'm I'm, I'm yes. paying for science. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> well, I would maybe pay for that photo too <laughs> if I would be I don't know editor of a big journal or something <laughs> no i i usually i just have always my my camera handy and then um you know just take a few pictures in between when i have the yeah. time and then just you know yeah. sort them out later okay did your camera suffer the cold by any chance or that had is it no <laughs> no I, I actually not i mean i I'm, i'm very very happy also with the type of batteries mm -hmm. in there so i can have it out at minus 30 for mm. several hours easy batteries don't die yeah perfect Your pictures have been used on on Twitter mm -hmm. also quite a lot for, by either the Mosaic or by us or yeah. or some other accounts, the Avi account. Uh, what was your the most successful one? Not necessarily from Mosaic in, in general, like the one that got the more most likes. I, I I don't know. Well, I mean, I think the the picture which was distributed the most. I mean, mm -hmm. I. I think the the most this mosaic background picture definitely I think is the one which is now thanks to mosaic yeah mm. and being like the the banner picture of mosaic I mean it's basically everywhere but there was also one and I mean I I took this like in my way pre Twitter times in 2007 on my my first Polish uh, expedition mm -hmm. and this was uh, a picture we were just standing on on summer sea ice so there was a melt pond and um, we we drilled for for ice sickness mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. and we. Yeah, we we were a bit lazy and we didn't always wanted to disconnect all the, the sickness drills we had. So we just always wanted to drill in one bit because the ice was thicker at the time. Okay. More than, than one meter. So we, we put it on a ladder. So we always, you know, went up like a wooden ladder and, you know, drilled all the ah, way down. Ah, yes. And I mean, I, I don't know if you remember this picture, but I mean, this in the, in the end got into some database. And I mean, it was also... Yeah drill yeah. uh, used very very often and in the most funny use it was, it was actually uh was a spiegel um, oh. when um there was there is a uh, subglacial lake in antarctica like vostok mm -hmm. and um it because i mean it was you know never nobody really drilled into it and i think then there was one russian group who actually mm -hmm. drilled into that mm -hmm. which is like a huge lake I mean, it's kilometers I mean, it's kilometers, lake. Mm -hmm. yeah. kilometers yeah mm -hmm. and then the banner picture of spiegel was like us standing in this little melt pond yeah <laughs> drilling lake vostok yeah. okay i might actually have it here Ooh. so stefan is really organized on his computer yeah at least in terms of photos i don't know in terms of satellite data, but I guess yeah, it might be similar. No, the satellite data doesn't fit all on my laptop, yeah. unfortunately. Do you have the pictures uh, at home and you're on the walls? Uh, a very few selected one, yes. Yeah? Okay. Um, yeah, it was this one. Ah, this one. This. Yes. Yeah, yes. now I remember. Oh, that's a cool one, true. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's really like guys on a ladder. I, I'm just describing it because yeah, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I forget that, that it's a podcast and yeah. people don't see. Yeah. But so there's Polashten on on the background and two people drilling on a ladder on on a melt pond. Yes. Yeah, and, and the melt pond I'm, is I'm super like, nice blue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. That makes it's always I mean, so nice yeah. to see like everything is like bluish whitish, and then you have this red suit in, yeah. in the middle of of this white. <laughs> Was there a particular moment during Mosaic you've kept on the picture? Would you say, okay, I'm looking at this picture and I have certain emotions or it's coming back to me, how it was there or something? Um, no, not, 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 not really one. I mean, there, there's actually one um, photo project I kept in, in, in mind ah. that, we, that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, well, first one was one where I have a po photo of, you know, from the ice, Polarstern and um, Auroras in the background. I mean, this, mm -hmm. this never really worked out. Mm -hmm. But I okay. mean, then actually to, to show where we were, mm -hmm. um, I made a, a long um, time exposure of the stars above us mm -hmm. ah. and oh do you see like the circles or, or something yeah let me ah. see. oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> okay um <laughs> so, so the, the one thing is um because on on polar stern they had a, a laser uh -huh. installed which uh, we're looking at, at the atmosphere yeah mm. and i mean when you take long time exposures you always saw this particular I mean, there are actually two of them but i mean there's one stronger one and you always see it okay um so basic and then the the laser was not pointing perfectly straight up but but almost was within a few degrees and i mean you basically see where we were and i mean there is this one star here which is the polar star oh. which, which because i mean it's along the axis of the earth It, it's not rotating when, when you do this. this you have to explain to the listener, Stefan, what you can see here. So I see the laser beam. Yeah, no, w what I did is I just pointed the camera straight up yeah. and did yeah. a, an exposure for, for several minutes. So you actually... Several minutes, that's yes. what I want so to So actually what, what you see here is you, you see the stars rotating. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, the closer you get to the North Pole, and if you just look at the North Pole straight up, The stars mm -hmm. are not rotating uh -huh. because you are at the North Pole. And, and here we were very, very close to the North Pole. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is well, what you see here with the rotating stars. But I mean, this photo you can do everywhere on Earth. But I mean, there's also this laser pointing up. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, the proof that we really that you were, were there. really, really close. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a really cool one. Yeah, but also what was a bit the pity is that we, we didn't really see the stars so well. Yeah. Because, I ah. mean, there was always some, some kind of haze layer. Ah, okay. And, I mean, it's something mm -hmm. which is uh, more interesting for, for the atmosphere mm. scientists. Will you go back on another leg? Uh, I will not go back on the Polarstern leg, mm. um, but I will be involved in one of the aircraft um, ah, field campaigns okay. in, um, now, now starting in mid-March. Mm -hmm. With Manfred Wendisch and these people? Exactly. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, there is a, there's one, one aircraft uh, for atmosphere research, there's mm -hmm. another one for CS research, and I'm oh. uh, for, for the CS airplane. Um, and, and we do very, very similar things than yeah. we, we did on, um, on Mosaic. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this time measuring eye sickness with the EM bird mm -hmm. together with, with other radars, which give you where we, where we can measure the, the snow depths mm -hmm. on the CIS as well. 
So that you will go by the aircraft to the mosaic location? That is the plan, uh, yes. Yeah. So we, we will be stationed in uh, in Longyearbyen, yeah. in uh, Spitsbergen, mm -hmm. as well as in, in Greenland. There is a military base station north, mm -hmm. which is actually a bit farther north and yeah. gives us a bit better chance to actually reach the ship. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then hopefully there will be a, a runway where we actually yeah. can land. Um, and then refueled, and I mean this would. But on the way from Greenland or Spitsbergen, you would uh, measure exactly, the sea yes. ice thickness, and then hope to have a stopover at the Polarstern runway. Yeah? Exactly, because yeah. I mean, if if we are able to land at the mosaic site and refuel, mm. I mean, there we can go much further into the sea ice uh -huh. than we just yeah. can do without refueling alone. Yeah, of course. Mm. And how long, I mean, what are plans? How long would you stay there? Um, mm. Well, I mean, we, we will basically, we will refuel and then go back. Ah, so you can do that in one day? You don't have to... Um, this is thing is somewhere? Well, or? yes, you don't, I, I think you don't really want to park an aircraft out on the ice which is keeps okay. continuously breaking and also like runways on yeah. ice keep continuously breaking yeah. so you, you want to really uh when you have the aircraft on on the ice you want to keep this to to a minimum i see um and then um it's also like everything else pilots have duty hours mm -hmm. yeah um mm. so we, we cannot have the same people fly for 20 hours straight yes Oh. So and, and we also cannot take an additional crew with us because we are, we are limited with how many people we can yeah. take. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you just shake hands with the captain and then off again <laughs> back to Greenland. Yeah. To Thank you for your north. service. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Maybe we drop off some like fresh vegetables or something. Okay. And maybe you get <laughs> very kind of you. <laughs> maybe you're right there in time for the cake break and get some cake, right? Yeah. I had another question more related to your social media yeah. account. Uh, you're quite active on Twitter, we can say. No, no in your yeah. yeah, but I was I was looking at <laughs> how many followers do you have? I didn't look it up. Uh, no, I didn't either. Uh, it's le less than a thousand. I have to check myself. Okay. Okay. But like, you you did not post anything between uh, September and s the second of December, right? Correct. Yeah. Did you like did did you just shut shut off uh, your Twitter and just just reopen it <laughs> in three months so you were bound by notifications or were you just checking it but like simply not putting anything on there? Well, I mean, we we didn't have really internet access uh -huh. on the ship, okay, uh, so except for WhatsApp. I heard. Yes, I mean the um, the thing is there is internet on Polarstern mm -hmm. and also data connection, so we you have email address and. Mm -hmm. um, We, but we're also sending a lot of scientific data yeah. back and forth. Mm. And because you're so far north, I mean, you don't have much different options for, you know, connecting to internet via satellite. Yeah. yeah. So it is it is limited. Um, and I mean, yeah, WhatsApp um, is possible, but also they only want you to just to send text messages or no, no pictures. Pic no pictures. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, I mean, they, they cannot check. But I mean, it's also, you know, if you send too much pictures, I mean, you're blocking... The, the connection of others. Yeah. And they will track you down eventually <laughs> sitting on the phone all the time waiting for yeah, it, it, it is simply not, not polite doing doing yes. that. Yeah. No, and exactly. um yeah, I mean I, I think that there, there are ways you, you can can tweet uh from the ship, but I didn't set up anything from yeah. because I just wanted to yeah. you know, focus 
when I, I no, just when I saw that there was like a tweet on the September yeah. one in December, I just picture you then like I don't know, just not checking it for three <laughs> months and then opening it like having thousands of notification on sec- the second of December. But that was not the case. Uh, well, I mean, this is what I then did on the Capitano Nitzin on the way back. That there I had internet access again, mm-hmm. and then and I just out. <laughs> and, and just sorted out everything except my my email. That took way longer. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could not cope with. That, I, think. <laughs> I was I was just like feeling genuinely anxious on your on your behalf and like having to. You know, it's a lot of input all at once yeah. after not having basically any yeah. connection yeah. To, mm. to anyone, like or like to anyone further uh, south. So I was like, <gasps> yeah, true. <laughs> you know, we have this. <laughs> Can you explain? <laughs> yes. So we are at the end of this interview, I would say, or like we are at least getting towards the end. Yeah. Also because we are. Two hours and uh, 15, 14 minutes in, and, and Sarah I don't want to cut edit any more this. of this. Yes. Uh, but, like, what we do at the end of the mm-hmm. interview is uh, first we ask you a question that our previous guest asked, wanted to ask you. And so we asked Thea to, to come up with a question to, to ask our next guest, and she came up with a very, very cool one. Uh, she wanted to ask you if you could time travel and go back to your teenage self what would a young Stefan say to you about how your life is right now well I think first of all if a young Stefan Hennings would figure out time travel exists he would probably (laughs) ask me whether I remember any lottery numbers or so (laughs) very clever for me it was always like a career in science something I wanted to do, I think, since I've been in school. I mean, this was like really okay. just on one way, yeah. one way track. I mean, our, our parents would always, you know, go with us to, to natural history museums. Oh, and okay. so and I think this is, is how it, it started for, in Frankfurt. There is a Senckenberg Museum. Yes, I worked there. Yeah, we, we've been there quite, quite often. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I always like when I had to choose in school, like what kind of topics I choose. There was always more, uh, I think physics was always. Yeah, okay. Was always so I think my Martina itself would be quite happy to see that, you know, this is something I actually stuck to. Yeah. yeah. And it worked out too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think it, it worked out, not in a way I could imagine because you cannot imagine that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah mm. Sure. But yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't want to change, like from the general career, I don't want to change anything. Mm. Perfect. And so then to turn the question back to you, yeah. if you were here next time with our next guest, what would you like to ask him or her? Um, if you like, if power isn't the thing, is there something about like the culture where you work which you would definitely change? Huh. Ah, okay. So if 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 it, this person would have the power, would it like to change something? Yeah. In the culture, you mean the scientific culture or whatever? General. General, General. culture. Okay. Uh, cool. Interesting yes. question. Yes, we're getting. <laughs> Aha! Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hear the answer to this yeah. question by whoever is going to be here next. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you. It was really very nice much. talking to you. Really interesting. I at least learned a lot today. <laughs> yes. And I think I, also our listeners. <laughs> I still feel we haven't really touched <laughs> much of <Yeah>. my questions. <laughs> I have a bunch of papers here. 
But um, I That's think we... That's for another episode. Yes, <laughs> we need to leave it by that. And maybe, I mean, if you're saying you're doing this um, aircraft campaign, um, the year of polar prediction is also involved in that because there will be these targeted observing periods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from uh, March onwards. Um Watching atmospheric um, events, events, so mm-hmm. to say, and um, so um, some of our colleagues will be involved in these aircraft campaigns. So I could picture maybe you and other colleagues uh, from this uh, campaign coming back here and telling more. Okay. But for yeah. now, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, thank you for inviting me. Taking the time. Very nice having you here. Yeah, and um, for now. Um, Best of luck for, so would you, are you working? Last question. (laughs) (laughs) Are you working now with the data you you, um, initiated um, to get from the instruments or? I mean, right now I'm preparing the the aircraft campaign. Yes, yeah. And then I will have, yes, to work with with the data. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. The iSpot is produced by the Year of Polar Prediction International Coordination Office with the technical support of Radio Weser TV as well as the support by the communication team of Mosaic and the Alfred Wegener Institute. Editorial responsibility is with Kirstin Werner and Sara Pascoletto. Our theme music is composed by Kevin McLeod, available on incompetech.com. For any questions, please contact us at polarprediction at gmail.com. Maybe we cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Hands up, everybody.